The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C dot com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website, which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. For those of you who've been following our podcast, you know that we've been on a series concerning spiritual warfare. Every one of us is fighting a spiritual battle every day, and there are spiritual enemies out there Enemies that will tear you down and want to devour you. We've already dealt with two of these enemies, the devil and the world. Today we begin talking about the flesh. The flesh is our enemy. The flesh is always with us and it's always trying to mislead us and destroy us. I hope you'll join us today and tomorrow as we deal with this great enemy of God's people, the flesh. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Tears fly my eyes, I cry to
You may recall that um, we had finished up our series on the foundations of the kingdom of God. We talked about the doctrine. We talked about our articles of faith and how they're based upon the word of God. And we realized that as with any kingdom, there are enemies that would tear it down. And we began to talk about that. We began to deal with a trinity of enemies that we have. Uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil are all against us. They're our trinity of enemies, if you will. And we looked at the devil. We began to see just how wily he is. We're told that we're to resist the wiles of the devil, but he is very, very smart. He is, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't admire him, but we should respect him. He has ways of getting to us that we can't even imagine at times. And the idea of doing battle with the devil is foreign to the word of God. We never read about any offensive attacks on the devil. We read about a defensive posture against him. Because, quite frankly, when we try to do solo battle against the devil, we, all, we always lose. He, we're told he's, a, he's, a, he's like a lion. You know, what's a lion do? A lion doesn't announce his presence and wave a flag. He doesn't carry a, a pitchfork and have a red tail that they can all identify him. He blends into the grass. He blends into the veld over there in Africa. And he attacks the prey in their natural habitat. He slips up on them. Wildebeests don't go marching into the den of the lions. The lions go crawling and creeping and weaving their way into the place where the wildebeests live. And then he attacks them at their weakest point, the, the injured, those that, have, uh, those that have weaknesses. And I want to say to you, beloved, the devil will slip up on you when you're least aware of it, and he will use your weaknesses against you. He will take strengths that you have and turn them into weaknesses. He is smarter than you are. He is better at what he does than you are. And he will destroy you if you're not careful. In fact, we said this before, the devil's not out to annoy us. He's out to destroy us. He says he's seeking whom he may devour. Now, he can't devour us eternally. And he knows that. But oh, he can devour us here. If you don't believe me, ask Lot when we get to heaven. Ask Lot if he was devoured here on earth. He's in heaven today rejoicing with his Lord and his Savior, but he didn't have much rejoicing in this life. And then we, we turn last, that, that Sunday night to talking about the world. The world is our enemy as well. The world is always opposed to us. The course of this world is against us, and it's against God. And it's always trying to mislead us, it's trying to tear us down, it's trying to insinuate itself into our lives. If the devil can't destroy us eternally, if he can just weave his worldliness into our lives, he's won a great victory. He wants us to be worldly Christians. He wants the world in the church. Beloved, we want God's children who are in the world in the church, but we don't want the world in the church. The church, I've heard this saying before that uh, as time goes on, it seems like the church is getting more worldly and the world is getting more churchy. <laughs> you ever notice that? And it's almost these, the, the, things that, uh, uh, the things that are going on in the world, in, in the religious world at least, are, are more superstition today than anything else and not based on the Word of God. Well, having talked about those, we want to turn this morning 
to the third of our enemies, which is the flesh. Now, as I said, we have been looking at spiritual warfare. And I want to affirm to you, as you turn to chapter 6 of Ephesians, that you are indeed a warrior in the kingdom of God. We all are. We all are. There, you know, and, and sometimes we get this idea that the battle is for the super spiritual. You know, it's just really the pastors. It's really the, you know, the deacons. It's, it's those who are highly educated in the word, word of God. Well, no, beloved, there is a battle for each of us to fight. You remember, you remember back in the Revolutionary War, uh, the British hired these mercenaries called Hessians. They were German soldiers, and they were hired guns, so to speak. They were mercenaries that they had hired to fight for them. I want to say to you this morning, child of God, there are no Hessians for us. There, there are no Christian mercenaries. We are all in the battle. We are, the battle is not reserved for someone else. The battle is for you because we are all Christian foot soldiers. Now, the good news is that Christ has already won the war. Bad news is we have a battle to fight until he calls us home. And our trinity of enemies is against us. And what we're doing over the past couple of sermons and today is we're getting to know our enemies. We're, getting, we're going to talk some more about some things that God has given us to withstand them. That'll be next time. But, but right now, we're trying to get to know our enemies a little bit. In Ephesians chapter 6... In verse 10, Paul writes, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. You see, our job as Christian foot soldiers is not to go out and, and, and charge uh, the gates of hell, but it is to stand where we are and to stand on the Word of God. To stand with the things God has given us to stand with. As I said, we'll talk about the armor that he's given us uh, hopefully next time. But, but understand, first of all, we need to know who the enemy is. Well, we talked about the world and the devil. Let's talk about the flesh this morning. Now, the first thing we need to remember about the flesh is that the flesh is always with us. The, the Greek word for flesh is the, is the Greek word sarx, sarx. And it literally means the body, but it's referencing in the context of Scripture the sensuous nature of man. That is the human nature. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 probably describes the human nature better than any other place that we can find it. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, he says, The natural man, that is the fleshly man, the one who the sensuous man, the one who is only uh, informed by the physical senses. He's never been born of the Spirit, he's only been born in nature. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. For they are spiritually discerned. Now I want to let you in on a little secret. It's probably not too much of a secret, and it's going to be bad news to you if you didn't know this already. You've still got that natural man inside you. 
When you're born again, that doesn't take away that natural man that receives not the things of the Spirit of God. It's still there. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. That's one, the flesh is our enemy. The natural man is our enemy because it's the enemy of God. And it's the enemy of God's people. That flesh that's inside of you, you're born with it and you never get rid of it. You say, surely not, preacher. Surely when I'm born again, something changes. Turn with me back over to the seventh chapter of the book of Romans. Turn with me over to Romans chapter 7, and let's just look, begin reading in verse 14. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. You know, I realize Paul is not our measuring rod. Christ is. But, you know, I, I think sometimes if I could just measure up to the Apostle Paul, I'd be doing pretty good. Paul was a great preacher. He was the greatest of preachers, really, apart from Christ. And surely if I could just measure up to him, surely the Apostle Paul didn't have these struggles. Verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual. That's the true statement. The law is not the problem. But notice what the problem is. But I am carnal, sold under sin. That word carnal there comes from the same Greek root word for the flesh. And it means pertaining to the flesh. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Now, that's a little tongue twister there, but that basically just says that there's a part of me that wants to do good, and there's a part of me that wants to do bad, and that part of me that wants to do good sometimes is overcome by the part of me that wants to do bad. When I want to do something, Sometimes my flesh gets in the way. That's what Paul's saying here. If then I do that, which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Remember what we said. We're not talking about a sometimes ally, sometimes enemy. We're talking about an always enemy here. The flesh is always our enemy. In my flesh dwells no good thing, for to will, that is the desire to do good, is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. <laughs> and he goes on with a little more of the tongue twisters there, but skip down to verse 20. He said, now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. That word evil there is the Greek word that always means just any, it means all kinds of badness. It means all kinds of things that aren't good. There's two, two Greek words. There's the Greek word kalos, which means good, and the Greek word kakos, which means bad. And that, that's the two general categories, the, the general descriptions of good and bad. That's what he's got here. The evil that I would not, that is what I do. Now, let me also disavow you of another idea that many people have some people think that if the devil weren't here there would be no sin they believe in fact there's a whole theology on this mis built on this misconception that feeds the misunderstanding of the so-called thousand year reign because over in over in revelation chapter 20 it talks about the devil being bound a thousand years well, i believe the devil has been bound 
for the past, for, for the majority of the church age, okay? The majority of the church age. Now, you know, there's a good argument that he may have been loosed. I, I think you can look around you and, and, and have the idea of maybe the devil has been loosed. Things seem to be getting worse and worse. You know, the, the, let's turn over there to Revelation just for a minute. Let's just, just, we won't go too far down this rabbit trail, but I do want to share this with you. It says in chapter 20 of Revelation, verse 1, I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. Now, I understand, as I said, that many believe, well, that's talking about some future age a thousand year reign beloved that thousand years he's talking about there is not a necessarily literal thousand years any more than the cattle on those thousand hills is just a thousand hills that god owns the cattle on you know he says in i believe it's the 50th chapter of psalms he says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills does that mean on the thousand and first hill he doesn't own those cattle no that's a number that denotes a great uh, that that thousand years that thousand hills denotes a great number Okay, and that's what's happened here during the church age. If you'll notice, we've rarely had nations, especially in the Western world, that have been deceived into idolatry in the sense of worshiping and sacrificing to idols and that sort of thing. But now we begin to see more and more the idolatry of humanism coming up and the idolatry of all the things that are going on in this world coming up. So I think there's a good argument that maybe the devil has been loosed. (laughs) But here's my point. This is uh, to, to come back from that rabbit trail. My point is this. People seem to think that if the devil were bound or if he didn't exist, there would be no sin. That is not true. First of all, Al Capone ran Chicago's mafia from prison. <laughs> he was bound and he couldn't do all that he wanted to do, but he could do a whole lot of bad things from prison. And secondly, even if the devil did not exist, even if the devil were not here anymore, the flesh and the world are against God, and our flesh would tempt us to sin. We would still be sinners even if the devil were not here. So back on track on talking about the flesh. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, listen to this. Paul writes, for to be carnally minded, that word carnal there, remember, is based on the Greek word for flesh. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. The flesh is the enemy of God. The carnal mind is the enemy of God. That which dwells in you right now is the enemy of God. You know, there's a sense in which we can, we can shut the devil out. You know, I, don't, I know he's always lurking about and can even be here in church, but I don't feel his, the presence of the devil or his demons this morning. I feel like when we come together like this and we have the, the, the time of public worship and the spirit of the Lord's moving, it seems like the devil shut out. I don't really feel the influences of the world in here this morning. I think, you know, I hope that when we come here together, we shut out the world and all of its problems. But you cannot shut out the flesh. You are here this morning with something inside you, even as you try to worship God, that is the enemy of God. 
The world, I mean the flesh, is the enemy of God. To be carnally minded is death, you see. He says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. And you know, one thing about the flesh that is also very true, we've already talked about the world, but the flesh is inextricably linked to this world. You see, the problem we got, you know, if, if someone's an alcoholic, the remedy for that is to stop it cold turkey. And, you know, that's what um, Alcoholics Anonymous does such a good job with, is to try to help them to avoid taking even a single drink. I, I was blessed here several, a couple of years ago to go to a friend of mine's 10,000th day of sobriety and had a little celebration over in Tuscaloosa for that. And that was a wonderful time. That was a great thing. But, uh, but you know, <clears throat> the problem with with struggling against the flesh is that the flesh is inextricably drawn to the world and we live in the world and we can't get away from the world and so the temptation is always there you know even Abraham the father of the faithful kept being drawn back down into Egypt he kept being drawn back, even if he didn't go all the way to Egypt, he would sometimes pitch his tent down there towards the south, towards Egypt. Every time he did that, he had trouble. We've got the flesh always mixed up with the world. And over in 1 John chapter 2, and verse 15, we're told to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now look what he says. This is why we're not to love the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. <laughs> you see, that's the thing that our flesh is inextricably drawn to. Our flesh is drawn to the lusts of the flesh and the lusts of the eyes and the pride of life. And those are not of the Father, they're of the world. Because you see, another thing about the flesh, not only is it always with us, it is always misleading us. It is always misleading us. You know, total depravity, which we believe in, means that we are dead in trespasses and in sins. Now keep that thought about what's in the world, but turn with me back over to Ephesians chapter 2. And I want you to hear what it means to be dead in sins. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, very familiar passage to most of you, we read that you hath he quickened, verse 1, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespass and sins. That describes the natural man. That describes the flesh. If you've never been born again, then all you have is the fleshly nature, and that fleshly nature is dead in trespasses and in sins. So what does a man who's dead in trespasses and in sins do? Well, here it's described. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Notice that he's already named the first two of our trinity of enemies, the world. We walk according to the course of this world. And when we walk according to the course of this world, we're walking according to the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? That's the devil. Jesus called him the prince of this world several times in Scripture. 
And now look at verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation or our lifestyle in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The flesh manifests itself in walking according to the lusts of the flesh and the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and it looks just like those who are children of the devil. It says, we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. I'm so glad he didn't say we were children of wrath. <laughs> that, would, that would be a strange statement when we understand that we've always been children of God, you see. And he affirms it here. I love how the scripture never contradicts itself. He said, we weren't the children of wrath, but by nature we were. And that tells us another important fact about our flesh. By nature, we're just like the world. You don't have the right. You don't have the, uh, the, the right to stand up and put others down who are living according to the flesh because your fleshly nature is just like them. I don't mean you agree with them. I don't mean you promote them. I don't mean you, uh, you're, you're engaged in that same kind of activity, but you cannot look down on them in haughty arrogance saying, well, they must not be a child of God because they're not acting like it. How many times have you not acted like it? <laughs> How many times? Have you and I looked just like the world? And before we were born again by nature, we were just like them, you see. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.